G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. An amazing privilege to have in the studio African doctor uh, from the Democratic Republic of Congo, Dr. Joe Lucy, who is the founder of a, a, a hospital, a ministry called Heal Africa. Now, Dr. Joe is a legend in Congo. Joe is one of the first Congolese to receive overseas specialist medical training dating back to the 1970s as an orthopedic surgeon. He's no stranger to dealing with medical crisis. He was the medical director of the main government hospital in Kigali, Rwanda, when the genocide occurred back in 1994. Dr. Joe was also a senator in the interim Congolese government in 2006, an instrumental man in enshrining the rights of women and children in the Congolese constitution and outlawing rape. He's recognised internationally and has had the status of chevalier or a knight bestowed by the French president. Uh, Let me say a special welcome to you, Dr. Joe. Welcome along to 2020. I am so blessed to be uh, spoken to like that, and uh, but this is, as I say, humbly uh, in promotion from God's word. Well, I'm looking forward to getting into our conversation. Our other guest in the studio is another legend, and uh, he'll deny that. But uh, let me just say, a legend, and uh, we're not talking sainthood yet. But legend status is good for Dr. Neil Wetzig, who closed his successful medical practice in Australia to serve the needs of the people in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Now, there's lots of things to say about Neil Wetzig, a former chairman of the breast surgery and endocrine surgery sections for the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons. And he's also uh, was principal investigator for the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons Sentinel Node Biopsy Trial in Breast Cancer management. And when Neil and his wife Gwen arrived in Congo, they were faced with primitive conditions, violence, and the challenge of training doctors to meet the seemingly insurmountable health needs in a developing country. A special welcome to you, Neil Wetzig. Yeah, thanks very much, Neil. Good to be back with you again. Well, what a privilege it is to have both of you gentlemen here in the studio. And uh, let me just come to Joe Lucy as we get into a conversation about the work that you do with Heal Africa Hospital in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Let me take you back to just some memories that you might have dealing with the crisis in Rwanda back to 1994. And now I know that a lot of people will will like to hear your memories from that because it was such a global tragedy, a dreadful disaster on a scale that none of us can recognise. And you were there right in the middle of it all, Joe. This is... A good question. I was there into this crisis when the genocide began. And I was really dreaming and I could never believe it. 
to say this is maybe what we call Armageddon, to say the end of the world. But it shows me how bad we human we can be. The only thing, and I really was so happy that in the beginning, God said that let the light be. And that is the kind of things I will tell you at this time is the highest, 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 I say three times, honor I give to your army, the Australian. I was the only doctor left in all this carnage. But the only people I saw to come help me clean the town of the dead body were the Australian army. So you Australian, that day, God used you clearly. You know, uh, it reminds us how ignorant uh, we Australians can be of our own history and uh, how humbling it is to hear of your thoughts about our Australian Armed Forces because many of us will not even know the work of the Australian Armed Forces when that dreadful atrocity was taking place. There, There was nobody from all over the world. I remember we were crying to... American uh, National Council of UN to say, please never call the fire home when the fire is beginning. But the UN all left the fire happening. And then when I was given the only doctor to try to clean the dead body in the hospital, who comes? Australian Army. So I am applauding you and I know in heaven God applauded that time. Uh, your history on what happened uh, with that dreadful atrocity is going to be uh, significant because, as I understand it, more than a million people were killed in that genocide. You're right. And as the one who was leading the hospital, the medical director at the time, mm-hmm. uh, people were bringing the dead and the wounded to the hospital. How do you remember those days? It was horrible. When you see people dead or half dead and you will see you have no suture nothing but you will just push them squeeze them and it was not that because after two three days you keep seeing the dead coming in and here after i thank you australian i thank to samaritan purse i was sent there by samaritan person belonging to franklin graham the son of Billy Graham, the best prophet American of the 20th century. And I was so uh, touched by God, and myself I felt humbly that God is trying to use me nothing to try to see, to be the witness of all these dead bodies. Now, after all of the tragedy of that genocide began to settle, you and your late wife moved to the Democratic Republic of Congo, And you went from Rwanda to Congo, and the medical facilities in Congo uh, were very, uh, very low, not much to speak of at all. How do you describe what Congo is like when it comes to meeting medical needs? I can say Congo was even worse than the beginning of this darkness, because Congo, where the people of Rwanda fled for. It was 200,000 people living in Goma town, but uh, 
the 1,800,000 people of the Hutu who have committed genocide became refugees in Goma. And then the Tutsi having taken the left town of Kigali to them, the, all these Hutus went to Goma. And there again, I remember people of CNN asking me, CNN is a big American radio, saying, what will happen then? I say, there's disaster after disaster after disaster. Then, because the the Rwanda capital, helped by this Australian army, began to be a little bit, uh, you could live livable, I went there to Goma now to try to see the horror again. The cholera, because there was no water, no electricity, no facility at all. The first time, and I am again a witness, I have seen 4,000 to 6,000 people dying the same week. There again was the problem of dead bodies. Imagine I could be now mental, <laughs> mental ill to have seen all these horrors. But I will pray, say, God, help me to carry this on. And God really is great. We have got something, the Holy Spirit will give you the strength to work. We have been trying to clean Gomat as well of dead. But among those cleaning, we were trying to settle the refugees into tents. What do I see again? I see a tall man, and this was again an Australian guy called David Cohen. He was at least working on the name of Tier Fund. I said, God, what are these Australian? So Australian are the angels. When God calls you angels because you bring good news, good help, and I can tell you again and again for 24 hours how angel angelic you are, and look at this radio post angelically. Well, I'm almost speechless, uh, having gone through what you've gone through, and and there's been Aussies there. And when you mention Tear Fund, uh, you mention Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse. Uh, these are organisations we're very familiar with in Australia from time to time. Mm. Uh, we'll have people, representatives from those organisations, and we'll encourage listeners uh, to support them and uh, to hear Straight from you, uh, who has been right in the middle of some of the worst crises of history, uh, to recognise that those organisations have been there and that there have been Australians on hand in those circumstances, uh, I am certainly humbled and uh, almost speechless. I was not aware of any of that sort of history. And uh, Dr Joe, uh, wonderful to hear your thoughts firsthand about those situations. I'll come back to you in just a few moments. Dr. Neil Wetzig, Australian surgeon, who closed down your your uh, successful medical practice here in Australia. Uh, Neil, when you went to Congo, did you go at Joe's invitation or did you turn up in Congo and you somehow or other came across Joe? I mean, what was the connection here in those earlier days? Well, Neil, it, it's a fascinating story and the brief of it is Joe just mentioned David Cohen. David Cohen was an Australian working for Tear Fund. He came back to Australia and became the head of a mission agency which was then called CNEC, Partners International, which is now called WorldShare. So they brought Joe out to Australia in 2002 and there was a very persistent lady at our church who invited me to go and meet Joe. And I went to a breakfast in the western suburbs of Brisbane 
And I saw this man present about the medical needs that he had and how he needed specialists and other people to come and train young doctors in his country. He said that if he sent them out of the country to get trained, they would not come back again. And I was impressed by Joe's passion. You've just heard a little bit of it. But when he's free-ranging and talking in a, in a small room, he really gets passionate. And I, I was impressed by his passion for his country, but also the needs that were there. So I visited Congo in 2003 at his invitation, and I saw that there was a great need for medical training. There was medical care being given by people who were not very well trained. And I thought, we can build into this. So since 2006, I came back to Australia and started talking to some of my colleagues and we took our first multidisciplinary medical team in 2006 and we were going every year. But then, you know, I could see these needs and I thought that it was a, it was a work of God in our heart. It probably took a number of years of God saying to us, you know, you can do this. You can help people there to train them. That was what I was doing in Australia. Many people in Australia can do this, but not many people are called to go to Congo. So that's how we ended up there. Neil, you are best placed to describe the contrast between what we in Australia might see as standard medical practices and the way our hospitals might work here. When you describe what you came across when you arrived in Congo and uh, ready to do your part and serving God in a in like a call to mission here, what did you see when you when you started to operate and discover that there were lots of inadequacies? Well, just simple things like there was complete lack of resources, lack of understanding from medical staff on how to manage complex illnesses. Um, I, I've often used these, the analogy that if someone collapses in Australia, you'll probably find in, in the community a few people who have had some basic CPR training or there'll usually be a doctor or a nurse hanging around. But if someone collapsed in Congo, even the doctors and nurses often would not know how to resuscitate them. So it's not just the resources, it was actually the training of how to how to deal with even just the simple basic medical problems that we that we found we had to deal with. And that's what we've been doing ever since. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Two outstanding guests in the studio with me today, Australian Dr. Neil Wetzig and Congolese doctor, uh, Dr. Joe Lucy, the founder of the Heal Africa Hospital. Uh, Joe, let me come back to you because the story is so deep and yet is so important to tell because not only had you gone through the uh, dreadful atrocity uh, that was uh, that issue in Rwanda, uh, the issue between the Hutus and the Tutsis. Uh, but you described that you went to the Democratic Republic of Congo and there were lots of the uh, Hutu uh, people who were, in fact, the ones who were... Uh, the perpetrators of that dreadful atrocity we've been talking about in in Rwanda. But you then came across another dreadful civil war that, that there was something in the vicinity of six million people mm-hmm. killed in Democratic Republic of Congo. So you have been through genocides, not just once, but again in your experience in Congo. Uh, describe that genocide for us. As I, exp- I am explaining these horrors, and uh, 
I should be really a dreadful messenger to tell those bad news. But they happened, and I said, I am talking here as a witness, but not a witness to accuse anybody, but to come and say thank you to the angel. Angel, uh, don't be happy with only the thank you. you. I say angel because you were sent by God. You were talking about uh, my younger brother, uh, Neil. I call him Neil, but you say Neil yes, yes. Uh, because he was the super angel who was sent by God again. And so we were touched by this and we went again into war in Congo where we discovered that the most vulnerable side of the war were the women and the children. And here I can really cry my tears to see that the lady were used into this war as the um, as a war uh, tool. The rape, the rape. Let me explain to you what a lady means. Mm. A lady is the latest discovery, the high tech of God's creation. If you want to know how intelligent is God, look at a woman. When God created a woman, he said the first time into his mouth, God said, it is bad that the world live without woman. Everything was good, 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 until God, by his own word, we have never heard the world bad. It is when there is no woman in whatever you are doing. I am happy behind this window there is a woman. A woman is good. Adam, who was the most intelligent person God have ever created. Why intelligent? Because he named everything that God has created and classified it. I hear that you have here a town called Darwin. Darwin tried, he failed completely. He ended up by a, a, a wrong uh, evolution. But Adam was able to trace things and to name them. Whoa, intelligent guy. When God brought a woman to Adam, he said, bingo, God has made it. For the first time, he said, this for this time is my flesh, is the bone of my bone. He knew how to classify things. He called me woman. Whoa. <laughs> I know that listeners to, when they hear you discussing these things, uh, will find it difficult these days in the way that we think of our politicians here in Australia to hear you reflecting on the things of God and being created in the image and likeness of God and the value of a woman. And you had that role there in Congo as a senator yes. and constitutional change that changed the status of women and of this dreadful atrocity of rape used as a weapon of war, uh, you were able to actually bring about change to the Constitution that lifted the status of women. Definitely. I, I was fighting with that thanks to my wife was a British missionary. Oh, when you get a British lady, I can't talk about this. You will feel the feeling and you will feel the sentiment. And so on. But... We worked hard to say we must stop this horror and the horrible punishment of the woman. When you rape a woman, they used to say you will pay only chicken and you arrange, arrange it amicably. I am talking about Africa jungle. 
And we said, no, a woman is not equal a chicken. And of course, when we were fighting for the woman in every village, they took me to become a senator in Congo government. That was as a job to build the constitution. And I was firstly able to write Article 16, uh, 15 and 16 to say the woman equal a man. And they accepted that. I wasn't that senator of a transition called the men of the women who really defend the woman right. And it have gotten off because everybody began to work for the right of women. And today it has really been the biggest center in our country. We still have a lot of rapes, but at least people go to jail, to prison. And it has been, the woman has been really, really well recognized to say they are equal to men. And we do that every time. This is the biggest miracle why I am doing this speech. Again there, when we were struggling, when a woman tried to be raped in those bad conditions of the war and the criminal, and when a woman tried to, uh, to deliver, to give birth to a baby alone, there is a lot of destruction that happens in her body, her organs. God is very, very coordinated. Into his high mind of godness, he created Australia. An Australian man has put all his life in fixing the women when they have trouble on the delivery. He is Australian. Australian are angelic. Australian are angel. He went in Ethiopia and the whole world is learning how to fix the woman, the pain of women. We have sent all our young doctors there to learn how to fix women. Thanks to Australian, today we are big and great because we are following your steps and the women are being very helped in our hospital in Hill Africa because of Australian. And we are so happy Nell and Gwen have joined our young doctors to go on and on. Let me tell you this. Before I came, one week before I came, I have done two weeks and a half here. The first woman who is OBG1 obstetrician and gynecologist have finished her specialization in fixing the women and he is completely supported by you Australian. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm going to come to Neil Wetzig because uh, it's getting even uncomfortable to hear the sorts of compliments that Dr. Joe is making about Australians. And he's making those compliments about you too, Neil. Uh, but this idea that God could be a part of what happens with the transformation of a medical, uh, the medical regime in a whole nation uh, I'm almost certain that it couldn't happen without a Christian ethos, without a Christian foundation that's coming from the heart because of this recognition of the need for caring for men and women. And as we're hearing, Dr. Joe, it's just, uh, it's, it's, uh, as I say, it can be with, lost for words because, uh, he's, dem he's describing something that, uh, that comes from the, the heart of the Christian believer. Yeah, that's right, Neil. Um, look, we just go to Micah six eight. You know what? What does God call of us? And it's to love justice, to do uh, to do justice. Sorry, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And and there are so many injustices in Congo. And Joe's just alluded to some of it. And uh, I think 
what he and his wife Lynn were trying to do was deal with the many injustices they've, they saw. I have absolutely no doubt that their Christian faith and commitment is what kept them going through some pretty terrible times. He's only just told you a little bit of it. I've heard some of the stories about you know, gunshots over their heads and climbing into roofs to get away from people, all sorts of things. So, you know, they've did it tough for many years. I'm a Johnny-come-lately, if you could put it that way, just coming into this in in the latter years. But it's coming at a time, you know, this is the beauty of God calling people. It's come at a time for Gwen and I to be called to go there when when some of the civil war is settling and where there's a need for development. And so part of our role is using the Christian call that, well, the call that God's put on our heart to um, develop and build capacity in the medical system so that they can better treat their own patients. And so what we're doing is actually training and, and uh, teaching uh, doctors, nurses and other people like that. Just a couple of minutes away from the news and as Dr Joe shares uh, when you get young doctors trained, oftentimes the first thing they want to do is leave Congo uh, and here we have you coming into Congo and you're wanting to train up young people uh, to be doctors. Uh, how does that whole training thing, uh, you know, is it being successful? Are you seeing young people, uh, young doctors uh, thriving under your care and your leadership? Uh, I hope so. I think yeah. so. Uh, look, Dr. Jay is very good at selecting the right people. He looks not at just their medical abilities, but their heart and their heart for their own country. So we have the privilege of working with some fairly special young uh, doctors who've got a heart for their country. They've got a, a, a faith. And so we have the opportunity to not only train them in medical work, but to disciple them so that they catch the vision of helping their own people. Um, We started a basic surgical training program this year, and uh, or two years ago, I should say, and our first group will sit their exams at the end of this year. And they will be the first group of of doctors who've come in from rural areas been trained to do basic essential and emergency surgery. And if they pass, this will be a, a first for Congo. It will be a major celebration time, no doubt. I want to just mention that website that I mentioned earlier, worldshare.org.au. That's where you can connect with what's happening with the Heal Africa Hospital, worldshare.org.au. Uh, you can make a donation there. You can find out some details. You can connect with these two gentlemen that we have as our special guests today, Dr. Joe Lucy and Dr. Neil Wetzig. We're talking about the Heal Africa Hospital, the major things that have happened over the years and plenty more to come. When Dr. Neil Wetzig and his wife Gwen arrived in Congo, they were faced with primitive conditions, violence, and the challenge of training doctors to meet the seemingly insurmountable health needs in a developing country. We're talking a country of 75 million people. It's the size of Western Australia and the medical facilities in Congo have been, uh, as I uh, mentioned, uh, described as uh, quite primitive. Uh, Let me come to uh, Dr. Joe. Uh, Such a privilege to have you in the studio with us, Joe. Uh, Take us to uh, some of the projects that you have operating with Heal Africa. Uh, One of those is in dealing with vulnerable children uh, in Goma, And these are children, as I understand it, that are street kids, very high uh, unemployment rate, something in the vicinity, 80, 90 percent. 
And there were these young people trying to, on regular occasions, set fire to the hospital. And you decided to confront those young people. Take us to the story. The children in the underdeveloped countries are become really, really rebellious and they begin to attack people, all the, all the pedestrian. And nowadays, every lady will be attacked on her handbag and remove whatever. And there is no control because the government is completely absent. So when there is no government, when there is a total chaos, what do you do? It is really the job of a church. God was smart. He have given us more than a super uh, constitution. He have given us uh, the Bible to show us the rules. And not only that, the Holy Spirit to teach us what to do with that. And we discover that these young people, we need to love them. And we need to really show them the light in this darkness. And uh, we have helped uh, them to get what we call wamsho. Wamsho means wake up, open your eyes and see what can be done. And we have been working with these children and to make them really see the light of Jesus. And we don't convert them ourselves. Whenever we show them the light, it's the Holy Spirit and God who really deal with them and touch them. And we were seeing them being converted, coming to the prayer places and coming to listen to the word of God. We have been convincing them to come and listen to the world. And now we have baptized them all. They are creating choirs and they are going from street to street to preach others. There was one of them, Eli, who has become a very brilliant pastor. Actually, many of them were condemned at capital pains. And they have been able to remove them from those pains. And today they are living for the glory of God. But to do that, we are being helped by you, Australian World Share, and people uh, like uh, you, pastors. Whenever they come, they help us to to teach them and to deepen the understanding of the Word of God. Most importantly, when before my wife died, he had seeing a lot, lot of horrible things in the rural areas, the witchcraft. Whenever you come, somebody is dying. They tend to find who did that. Whenever a baby is born with any congenital malformation, they try to make certain it is the wife who made a mistake. And the wife is accused to have been origin of this uh, congenital malformation. So all that, we try to fight them. But we said maybe in every village, we should create, uh, we call it committee, Nehemiah committee, to deal with the local problems and to try to show people how to behave. But we discover that there too we need to have a chaplain. We have built the chaplaincy school and we want really people to help us. Again, it is uh, World Share United Kingdom and then you people who have been helping us to create this uh, a chaplaincy school. But we have said all because Hill Africa is about teaching, Let's build something like a Hill Africa teaching school so that we can be teaching the doctors, uh, the, the nurses. We teach, uh, we teach the chaplain and we teach neonatology. We teach a lot, lot of things that needs to be taught there. And it is, again, the biggest gift you have given to us. One of you 
have detached himself to come to live with us. And this is the couple, Neil and Gwen. They are living with us, focusing on the teaching, especially the doctors, and practically how to do good surgery, because most of the mistakes are made because of bad surgery. Imagine a doctor himself, because he doesn't know how to do surgery, he will try hard because there is nobody else, but he will do a lot, lot of wrong. And Neil is trying to teach us the proper surgery. Uh, and of course, we, I can, as we say, I make you feel a little bit bad because I am praising you so much, but all the praise and <laughs> worship goes to our most high God. Yeah. You know, you're sharing things that are deeper than we're used to hearing here in Australia. Uh, we're not used to the idea that there might be a uh, non-presence uh, of government, a non-presence of law and order. And when you begin to share that when you have the Bible, you have God's governance, and the Bible has the revelation from God that changes hearts. So when you have chaos in a nation, when you have disintegration mm -hmm. and lawlessness, mm -hmm. when you change the heart of individuals, together they form a new community, which is a protection and like a sanctuary for people. And when you say that it's a part of your ministry, that you have this alongside the Heal Africa Hospital, yes. uh, that you want to change and train up chaplains, right. uh, where you have this outreach to young men in particular, mm -hmm. and uh, their hearts are changing and the community is growing and is developing, mm -hmm. you have sown a seed of transformation. Now, let me come to you, uh, Dr. Neil Wetzig. When you are in this situation, uh, it's all very well to just deal with broken bodies and congenital uh, malformations and all sorts of things that doctors deal with but it's bigger than that isn't it? it it's bigger than that because these are issues of the heart that are changing with the heal africa ministry yeah that's absolutely right neil and uh, the the medical part is just one part of it one of the one of the beauties of Heal Africa is that it provides what we call holistic care. So they've not just been interested in the medical side, but they've been interested in actually changing the heart of the people. Change is when you, when you change something, but the natural instinct of people is to actually go back to what they knew before. And we saw that early on. Transformation is when you change and it stays changed. So that's what we're trying to do, bring about transformation. Um, for example, just talk to you a little bit about this chaplaincy school. We, we see lots of patients come to the hospital who have actually been to what is called the traditional healers, or that's what I like to call them. People would know them as witch doctors, but one of my colleagues in Congo said, please do not call them doctors. They're, the things they do are evil. I'm not talking about um, natural medicines like we, we have in Australia. Many of that has a good place in our medical care. I'm talking about some pretty evil stuff. Just to set an example, one of the worst things I've seen is a child who gets abdominal pain. They've taken the to the traditional healer. They heat up a fork in the in the fire and then they stab it into their abdomen to get rid of the evil spirits. Mm -hmm. I've seen these kids come in with just terrible injuries like this. So I can get very worked up and upset about seeing something like that, but how do you change that? And this is where the chaplaincy school comes in. What Joe's, this is Joe's passion, is to take someone from a particular village in and teach them about the Word of God, teach them about justice, and teach them about 
basic medical things. So they go back to that village and not only can they share the word of God, but they can actually direct people in that community to go and get conventional medical care and and turn them away from the tra- traditional healer, we'll call them. So we're not only dealing with the the actual end result of the medical problem, but we're dealing with the heart and source of the problem. And the chaplaincy school, and I, I can talk about because I think it's a fantastic idea. What he's doing is taking people in from rural villages for 10 weeks and they have an intensive course uh, and then they go back. They're brought back for refreshers and they're checked to see what they're doing and what their, what their um, impact is in the village. But that costs money. And, you know, that's and I'll put it right out there. This is this is a huge thing, and that's that's one of the reasons Joe's in Australia is to to raise money for for projects like that that not only deal with the medical issues but have an impact to the heart of the problem. Neil, I'm aware that uh, I think it's the Mater Hospital in Brisbane. Uh, they've sent containers of equipment over to the hospital. Uh, is there plenty of room for others to uh, join the the club here and and put together containers of of what might be for us uh, equipment that might be past its use by, but still very useful? Uh, is this what you'd like to see? I mean, there might be uh, those listening to us now who are part of hospitals, uh, clinics. Uh, you know, they're 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 regularly updating equipment. Is this the sort of thing that you need? Absolutely. Um, God has blessed Heal Africa with a new building to treat women and children, but it's got to have um, equipment in it. And so if there is equipment, as long as it's in good working order, um, we cannot take uh, you know drugs or intravenous things that are out of date. That's not acceptable. But uh, equipment that's still in good working order, beds even, things like that. The martyr are actually sending another container over uh, later this year, hopefully at the end of July. And I know it's half full, so I'd like to fill the rest of it. But, uh, you know, there may be other organisations that have equipment. I'm very happy to hear from them and coordinate that. Uh, just quickly on some of the hardships that you face, not only the lack of equipment, but uh, the, the fact that the power goes out with frequency, uh, the fact that when it rains and there are tropical storms, uh, the roofs leak in many of the building facilities, uh, the fact that you're in the shadow of some volcanoes uh, that cause all sorts of problems from time to time, a few of the hardships that you're dealing with, Neil. The, the light issue is uh, pretty difficult when you're operating. Um, I think my record is about five or six uh, power outages during one operation where the lights go out. I have to wear a battery-operated headlight all the time so I can actually continue to do what I'm doing. That's a that's just par for course. Um, we there are issues. There's a volcano just behind uh, the hospital. It erupted in 2002. Um, you know, a lot of volcanoes erupting around the world at the moment. So we kind of put that out of our mind. So we don't worry about that. We hope it won't erupt. As far as, uh, you know, there is equipment needs. Yes, you. Are. one of the heartaches I have is that I know that sometimes there are patients in Congo that I could save them, not just me, but I would have other people around me that could give them treatment if they were in Australia and their lives could be saved. That that doesn't happen in Congo. So there's some of the difficulties we cope with. Some um, of the adjustments that you have to make to your own expectations because you haven't got the right facilities, the right equipment and the right 
uh, ways that you know just having the power on and no doubt generation power generation uh, is one of those issues but it's not really uh, available right now that you could have your own backup generators well we've just we've put a generator in so it's starting to get better but even that doesn't always work so <laughs> uh, but mostly it's a it's a good thing I, I just want to say something Joe mentioned a guy called Ellie before Ellie's a very special one of these street boys who who was a thief and on the streets, and he gave his life to the Lord. And, and now he uh, he's very special to Gwen and I because we've become quite close to him. And he, uh, you know, he's leading others to the Lord. He's More importantly, he's actually teaching English. He's an incredibly intelligent guy. And uh, we've been to his house. You know, he lived, lived up until recently in a house that was just simply a bit of tin over the top of a couple of bits of board. So when you said about raining... And, and water coming through before uh, Ellie's house came to mind. He's there with his mum and his uh, three other siblings, and they do it tough. Uh, that's the sort of environment that people are living in. And, and, you know, Gwen and I live in an apartment over there, which is, okay, it's one-star accommodation. It's great, and we're very comfortable. But when it rains at night, we often think, what about Ellie? What's Ellie getting now? He's probably getting sopping wet from all the rain coming through. So that's the environment that much of the population live in. All right. Uh, We're running short of time, but I want to ask you, Dr. Joe, uh, the profile of the work at Heal Africa is continuing to rise. Uh, when there are breakthroughs, when there are special visitors, you've had a visit from the Brazilian ambassador of recent times and also Princess Caroline of Monaco uh, was able to drop in and I saw some photos of you with her online. Uh, those sorts of people visiting make a tremendous difference to raising the profile of the work you do. Fantastic. This has been for us a biggest miracle to say this very important person of Europe came from Monaco. Monaco is a, a small kingdom in France, French, and it is well frequented by people who go to holiday and people who want really to enjoy life. But she went in Congo to visit, and when she came in Goma to visit Hill Africa, the young people received her, all these young people were dealing with, and she was very impressed to see that young people can receive her like if she was uh, significant to them. But when she saw all our projects, all what you are doing with us, she asked me, how can you do all these things in a country that is completely uh, destroyed? And they said, our brothers and sisters of Australia are making it possible. He said, how can it be? And with a lot of... uh, uh, doubt maybe, she went among us and she saw the only white man and his wife among us, and that was Neil. He was, and he <laughs> went to ask Neil, so to confirm that what I said is true, our brother and sisters of Australia are making it possible. She was so impressed that she went to tour the whole hospital. Immediately said, because of this, me too, I will participate in this building. And all her ONG have us to promise us to say, I will put the first cornerstone and I will do it. Because the Australian can do it, we can do it. This is to say, you Australian, you are preaching 
in, without realizing that you are even impressing the most important people of Europe because you are lucky you don't know what is behind that princess of Monaco. And because he met one of the Australia there in, in uh, flesh and blood, he said, this is again the guy who's showing the blood of Christ. And we were so proud of Australia. You you are not proud of yourself. Please be proud of yourself. Let me tell you this. The world has gone very far. It is almost to be destroyed now by God. And God had one kind of meeting with uh, Abraham. He said, tell me what Abraham asked God. Tell me, are you still going to destroy the planet Earth? God said, show me at least one. And God said, if you show me at least one country that still have some faithful people who are doing good, I want. If today the planet Earth is not destroyed, because God said, if the Australians are still there, I will give some time to the planet Earth to survive. So we are surviving because good people like you are still on the Earth. Thank you. Well, as I say, we're not so used to hearing this sort of compliment. <laughs> but coming from you, Dr. Joe, and uh, with Dr. Neil Wetzig in the same studio with us today, and uh, we just want to receive those humbly. And uh, and for listeners, I think the compliment is for listeners too, because really while we can sit here, we are nothing in ourselves but when listeners, and there will be listeners listening all around Australia now, and some of those connected with hospitals, lots of those connected with local churches, lots of those that give generously into mission endeavours, and uh, your compliment is to those who are listening to us now. And I know that you are unashamedly saying we need help, we need money, uh, you may even have your own time to devote. No doubt there's opportunities for people to go and visit Heal Africa Hospital. And I know that there are mission teams, medical teams that are coming from uh, different countries around the world now. Uh, I, I know that there's some come from the United States uh, and then from other countries as well. Uh, as we're just closing here, uh, Dr. Neil Wetzig, opportunities for people who have some nursing or medical training. Uh, how can they be part of a team that can be a, a helpful uh, aid with, with with the Heal Africa Hospital. Sure, Neil. Uh, we take uh, people that have specific uh, skills that can meet the specific needs that Heal Africa have. So sometimes we do have people say, look, I'd like to come, but they don't have a skill that's going to build into it. If we took them, they'd be frustrated. Heal Africa would be frustrated. So if anybody is interested, particularly specialists uh, in the medical field, they probably wouldn't be listening at this time of day, but people like in ophthalmology, optometry, things like that are real needs. Uh, they can get in touch with me through ozheal.org. That's the ozheal.org. Uh, ozheal is the charity that we use for the medical work. Um, nurses with specific skills. Uh, we have three midwives going over on our team later in this year. We do training, so we have. To, you've heard some about of the drama and the trauma that happens in Congo. So we have to train people uh, so that they go well prepared for this. Otherwise, they would not cope. So we do a lot of that stuff, but they can get in touch with me through that. Ozheal.org. And let me just point to that other website that we've been talking about through the hour, uh, the worldshare.org.au website, worldshare.org.au. 
uh, you can make a donation when you go to worldshare.org.au and you can connect uh, with these two gentlemen that we are talking to today. And time has run out, but I wanted to say a special thank you for taking some time to come and share your hearts with us. Uh, Dr. Neil Wetzig, the Australian doctor who gave up his successful medical practice in Australia to serve the needs of the people in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And, of course, he connected with Dr. Joe Lucy, the legend in Africa, Dr. Joe Lucy, uh, and uh, he's in the Democratic Republic uh, of Congo. He's the founder of the Heal Africa Hospital. And uh, to you both, Neil, and to Joe, I want to say thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today here on 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's a pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.